Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to the podcast. It is Sunday and I am predictably recording a podcast once again as per my agreement with myself a couple of weeks ago that I would get on a more regular schedule. I do think it's working, just setting that intention and obviously making the time. But setting the intention is a really powerful way because during the week, I am able to feel more open and see what topics come in. As many of you know, that's the way this podcast has worked for, geez, uh, 10 years now or more, 10 and a half years now. I usually just kind of see what comes into my awareness and what it feels like I have to share and what I want to talk about. Not forcing a podcast would be some of my best humble advice if anybody is asking. Most people don't get beyond, I think it's like eight episodes or something, Jason said. Uh, That's stereotypically like the cap. Most people just kind of stop. And so if that's you or you're just curious The secret really is to keep going. And in my case, I just can't force it. If I had to, you know, interview someone today that I wasn't really excited about, or I had to feature some product I didn't really believe in, I would not do this. I really only do this when I have stuff to say. Otherwise, I don't know. It's no better than like a commercial or lots of other programs that are out there, right? But this is just how it is. So setting the intention allows me to open up to what the universe wants to say through me. Before we get into a chat about birth trauma, which is the topic for this week. Let's see, what updates do I have to share? Well, um, I don't know when this podcast will be released. But Rumi's birthday is coming up. It may have passed by the time this gets out in the world, but we are just three days from his third birthday. And I might reflect more on that after his birthday. I might not, actually, (laughs) speaking of birth trauma and how I've processed that over the last three years. But tomorrow will be the day that my water opened. My water's opened with him. So my water's opened, I think, two days before he was born. Or, you know, it was like a day and a half, but on the calendar, it was two days. And I'll probably be reflecting on that tomorrow. I don't know what I want to say about his birth right now. Um, Perhaps I'll weave it into the birth trauma discussion. Because it truly was challenging in my body in the moments of his birth in the moments during his labor. And many of you have heard that story. Um, If you haven't, there's blog posts and at least a couple of podcasts 
So feel free to Google them. Just Google Indie Birth, Rumi, Soul, and see what comes up. There's, um, I think, a conversation with Margot and I about his birth. And there's one called The Magical Tale of Rumi, Soul, where I go through some of the esoteric and metaphysical meanings behind his birth. That one was really fun. And his birth story is actually written, and that's called The Time I Had a Free Birth at the Hospital. So if any of that is new to you, feel free to check them out, mostly because I think they're really interesting, frankly. Uh, Not many people have 10 babies, and it's a great story. And like I said, as I get into birth trauma today, you'll hear that I am also no stranger to this idea of um, holding on to energy from the birth experience and his birth. Let's see, I probably could name a couple of my births that stick out to me where there were some effects that I had to work through for a long time. And actually his birth, um, even though it was traumatizing at the time, I feel like I have had the most tools around in the last three years. And I can honestly say, that I don't feel traumatized. So if that isn't you, of course, uh, around your birth story, then that's where you are. It's no judgment. And I think there is a place for all kinds of feelings with birth and how we talk about trauma, as I want to share today. So it's the anniversary of a very big experience for me. Rumi's birth really cracked me open in a way I couldn't ever have imagined and I did not expect, although I suspected going into his labor that something big would happen. And gosh, like so many of those times in life, right, where we can feel it, we can feel something coming. Um, Our brains just really have no idea. Our brain maybe gives us a story But it's usually not the story that ends up happening because the universe really is so creative and uh, goes beyond our linear thinking. So I really didn't expect to have him, um, you know, pop out, so to speak, on a hospital bed. I didn't really expect that. I didn't know what would happen. I didn't necessarily see him being born in the room that I had chosen So there was that. And there were some other things. But anyway, he is here. He is a very precious and adorable and smart and totally connected still to me uh, about to be little three year old. And of course, we love him so much. His little freckled nose and his big blue eyes and his blonde curly hair. He's actually one of my children that I don't think looks anything like he did when he was born. And that isn't true for some of them. But he doesn't. He doesn't look anything like his newborn photos to me. So I'm so glad he chose me. I am so glad he came here and has shared with me such wisdom and that he is just happy and healthy. I truly have gratitude every day. And he is still nursing. So I do also have gratitude for that. Uh, We are down to nursing just twice a day. But it is super special. And of course, I don't know if he's my last baby. So I really do relish every little moment with him. Not to say that every moment is perfect. I mean, it is perfect, but not to say there isn't frustration. 
Uh, he's definitely had a harder time adjusting to Hawaii life and the energy here. So uh, he's been going through, well, I would say he went through at this point, I guess it could resurface. But he definitely went through sort of an attachment thing with me, which is not that unusual at his age. Um, just in the past, I've had a baby, I've had another baby to care for. So that's not the case for Rumi right now. And yeah, he's kind of gone through some stuff the last couple of months, but we've made it through and he's a big boy now. He is out of diapers for the most part, and he's just trying to keep up with his siblings. So we got him a couple of gifts today, just boy kind of truck stuff because he really does love it. Um, He's also just really gentle and sensitive, you know, like a lot of three-year-olds are. They're not fully boy or whatever, fully girl. They're just kind of like living life um, as happy little people. But we did buy him like a little paddle board. And I think if he knows that that's his, this little baby boogie board, uh, he's going to be so excited because he's just trying to keep up with them and he watches them in the ocean and he's slowly getting more comfortable. So that's one of the fun gifts he's uh, being given this birthday. On another personal note, I shared on Instagram this week that I will be enrolling in the somatic experiencing trauma training, which is for practitioners. And I feel very honored to have been accepted into that program. I have been studying somatic experiencing through other teachers for the last six to eight months. Uh, I have learned so much, and yet I have only learned what feels like, you know, 0.5% of what I want to know. So This um, SEI training is the next step, and it kind of feels really big. Like, I feel like a kid again, in a way, right? Considering colleges or, you know, the way that feels to like consider a big program. And many, some, maybe some of you have felt like that going into midwifery, but it's been a while for me since I did anything that felt like really big. But the coolest thing is, of course, it doesn't feel like a career shift or change, obviously. Uh, Somatic experiencing is a very particular way of being with the body and dealing with trauma. And I can't think of anything better for birth, which is also what I'm going to talk about today. Wish me luck. This advanced training starts in the new year, and it is a three-year training. So perhaps I'm sharing here to be held accountable. I, of course, have every intention with sticking with this training that goes on for three years. But part of me is a little overwhelmed. Just the three years sounds like a long time, right? Like, where will you be in three years? You probably don't know. Neither do I. (laughs) So what I guess I do know, uh, if I do finish the training, which I intend to, I think the world is really going to open up in a different way for me probably before I finish the training, because I'm sure I'll have skills and all kinds of things that I want to try out and test on people who are willing to be tested on. And that's really exciting. Uh, I've already been doing little bits of it with our students and with my magical mama circle mamas, you know, just little exercises here and there, and finding my own way of being with this information that I'm learning. So it's such a cool topic, somatic experiencing, because it is self-serving in the best way. 
So for me to be able to eventually lead groups or lead people, I really have to know it in my own body. It's the point. So it's not something you can get by just knowing intellectual knowledge and passing it on. It really is a felt and lived experience. And so I am really excited to see what it brings for me personally. I obviously have healing to do as well. We all do. If we're on this path, if we're in a human body, uh, we're never going to stop meeting traumas, right? Like meeting experiences. And so to be more versatile in how I handle these experiences and to be able to pass on the information to my kids and like I said, uh, then clients and whoever feels really amazing. And I'm wondering just how I will transform again. That's what's to come. I am in the meantime finishing up another training through the Embody Lab called Somatic Trauma Healing Certification or something like that. And it's really good as well. It's just a lot shorter. And so far, it's a very academic training. So it is stretching my brain, which is really cool. But it's not necessarily experiential. So I'm not really getting the opportunity to practice much with other students. But I'm enjoying that as well. And so I'll finish that in December. And I'll launch right into this very intense other training. Uh, People have asked like, oh my gosh, how are you going to do that with 10 kids? And you know, how are you going to still attend births and all of that? And it's like, I don't know. I just trust that I'll have time for everything that I want to have time for. And as far as even just getting studying done, um, I do make time and it's almost every day. So, you know, I'm chugging through these lectures that I'm supposed to watch and I'm really enjoying them. So I don't want to rush through and talking about somatic training You know, it's kind of a nervous system response in a way when we feel overwhelmed or stressed about taking in knowledge. Many of us were in school our whole lives, right? Raising my hand over here in school my whole life, 12 grades and then college. So if that's you, you can relate, I'm sure, right? We get into these like, I need to know it all and I need to take extensive notes and Um, There is a place for that, but it's ironic when we're talking about the nervous system and and regulation that we would allow ourselves to be swept away in the overwhelm. So that is another intention of mine with studying and gaining confidence and knowledge is to just slow down and trust it'll all come in the perfect timing and trust that I'll have what I need. So there's no race. There's no perfect way of doing this or anything and it will be revealed. So thank you for listening to that. I'm sure I'll update from time to time. Last but not least on the updates part of this podcast, um, I do have a postpartum retreat here on Oahu, which you probably know about, and that's called Mothering the Mother Oahu. The link is on our Instagram profile. And then just this week, I had all this like rush of inspiration come in and a couple of other synchronistic events around it to ponder the idea of having a birth worker conference, unconference. I'll explain that in a minute, but a birth worker gathering here on Oahu in probably June or July of next year. I'll share more if it actually happens. This week, I'm going to investigate some options for where it could be and see how feasible that is before I put it all together. 
But my dream is to, again, bring women together, birth workers, doulas, midwives, whoever that resonates with our philosophy. It is really important to meet in person. So I want to do that. And I want to have a space, a beautiful space and an amazing menu of learning and self reflection planned. I don't want to do the normal midwifery conference. So good for you if you do. There's plenty out there for you, right? The same old people, the same old topics. And we participated in that a bunch of years ago. So if you didn't know, Indie Birth had two midwifery conferences a bunch of years ago, and they were great, but they didn't really play too much outside of the box. So this time I would be looking to have an unconference conference. I don't want the same old stuff. I sort of don't want the same old people. I want it to be more nourishing, more reflective, and I want it to be the kind of information that birth workers aren't learning, and specifically midwives, I suppose, like things you did not learn in midwifery school that are important, that kind of stuff. But I easily could see that doulas um, would be perfectly uh, resonant, some of them as well. So I'll keep you posted. But a birth worker gathering here in the summer would be amazing on all levels. And if those pieces come in super quickly, I will, of course, get it together. And I think if it's meant to be, they probably will come in super quickly. That tends to be how it looks for me. And if I meet struggle or resistance, then perhaps this isn't the time or place. But so far, so good. So I'm giving you all a heads up, you loyal podcast listeners, because it may be a small event, just depending on the venue that I find. It may be a like 10 to 15 people event. So we'll see. We shall see. And I will gladly keep you all updated there. Okay, well, um, I am going to just see what comes out here about a post I wrote this past week and also sent a newsletter about. So you notice a theme here. Sometimes that's what I do. That's what I do on this podcast. I just focus on something that has already gotten the ball rolling because, you know, why push a ball uphill, right? Just go with it. Go with the flow. And the flow this week turned out to be a post I wrote for Instagram. And like I said, our newsletter that got a lot of attention and comments. And um, I'm laughing at myself because last time, last podcast, I think, or a couple of podcasts ago, I did a similar thing focused on a post. And I was like, oh, I'm not the world's greatest writer, but this just came out right. And I feel the same way about this one. Uh, I'm not the world's greatest writer, you know, but it came out how I meant it. And, and more importantly, how I felt it. Like I had this feeling of a thing I wanted to address. And, you know, it's always a challenge getting the message out publicly in the ways that we do without over focusing on the negative or what other people are doing. That's not my jam. However, this impetus for this post did come from a post I saw on Instagram. And honestly, I don't even remember who it is. So I couldn't tell you couldn't even help you there. It wasn't somebody that had a lot of followers. 
if that means anything. And the person ended up blocking me, actually, which is really funny. Um, and so I'm not like, you know, trying to get back at anyone. It just gave me the opportunity to really think through what my point was. And many of you know me in a certain way, at least through this podcast. And I don't think I'm super reactive. So, you know, not to say I don't feel stuff in the moment, like, oh, she blocked me. How annoying. Totally. But I take time to sit with it and I try to allow the message to distill and settle so that, you know, the point isn't like that I'm pointing a finger. And I feel like people that know me really understand that. And people that don't, of course, you know, point fingers and I don't really care. They can do whatever they want. But in other words, it's coming from a place of powerfulness and wanting to inspire rather than beating someone else down. But sometimes I do use posts that really um, challenge me in a certain way because those are the best ones. Those are the best ones to get us to think. Otherwise, we're just preaching to the choir and we're not really thinking beyond what's there, at least for me. So I don't know whose post this was, who cares, but it was something about, um, it was one of these like glorify free birth posts. And my beef with those often is that they're very myopic, right? They're very one-sided. It's like elementary, like many of these people, it feels like, and I could be wrong, feels like they haven't really felt what they're saying. They haven't really like thought through. It's just rhetoric. It's just dogma. And it comes out (laughs) as opposed because that's the day and age we live in. Anybody can say anything. And so even with this post, um, I thought to myself, you know, is this worth my time? Like, is it really worth my time? Because anybody can say anything, right? But then uh, as you're hearing, it obviously was worth my time because I think this bigger talk about birth trauma and kind of who's allowed to share what story where really got my goat. I think there's a lot here that feels disempowering. And I think there's a lot of great stuff too when we get into the, the talk about trauma and such. So backing up again, I can't remember the post, but it said something like... Um, let me let me gather myself and I'm not quoting anyone because I can't remember the post exactly. But it was like, tell me why there's no trauma in free birth. That was the gist of it. And so it was just a cheerleading post for free birth. And it was people saying what you'd expect. Oh, because you're alone and because no one messes with you and because, you know, all of that kind of stuff like the obvious reasons that people seem to choose free birth. But it was coupled with this like, well, that's why there's no trauma. And again, I was thoughtful about it. And I did comment and I said, maybe you're just not hearing about the trauma. That's an idea, right? Like, it's not that there isn't any, you're just asking the choir and perhaps the women that have been traumatized aren't speaking because that's trauma. So it was just this like very, again, it felt very myopic. Like let's cheerlead free birth with no real thought to the question that this person was themselves asking. So I commented um, and I think the person said something back like, what do you mean kind of thing? Like it was totally maybe beyond her at the moment. 
And then I was just honest. I said, there are a lot of traumatized women out there who have had free births. Like I'm, I get emails from them all the time. And many of them have had their babies die. And they don't feel like they can share that they're traumatized. So that's what I'm talking about, you know, didn't point any fingers. And um, the comment was deleted. And I was blocked. And again, that's so silly. I don't care. Block me all you want. It doesn't stop me from speaking, obviously. But that's where this podcast and the post came from is like, okay, if you're really, if someone's really going to get out there and spread this, that there is no trauma in free birth, then I'm going to speak my piece because I think that's stupid um, because it's not insightful at all. And it further silences women that have felt traumatized. And I'll redo the post, but it's not even about free birth. It's the point that any of us can experience what we consider trauma at any time in any birth. And to place a label on someone without even knowing is another form of silencing. And it's another form of the patriarchy, if that makes sense. So to say to someone, or, you know, to say publicly, like, oh, free births aren't traumatizing. Um, how do you know? Like, why are you speaking for people is what it felt like to me. Okay, so I'm going to read what I wrote in this post, and then I might blab further about it and share a new free offering that I created as a response. Oh, man, looking at Instagram, I could go on another tangent today about another myopic free birth comment. It's really um, crazy. Again, it's just rhetoric. It's not that that's not true for some women, but there is no one size fits all. And it's really ironic that somehow we've gotten to this place where, you know, one type of birth is supposed to be the best kind. It's so silly. And on the week of Rumi's birthday, you know, I can honestly speak to that. So I will. I will because I can. That was such a gift of his birth, honestly, while I search for this post. It was such a gift. It broke me out of any kind of dogmatic thinking. It did. It showed me that anything is possible and that if, you know, we're right with ourselves on the inside, it doesn't mean we won't have trauma, but it does mean anything is possible. And these labels, these labels are really um, killing, killing women in a sense, right? It's like killing our ability to discern the uniqueness of our situation. And that is so not autonomy. That is so not sovereignty. So, okay, end of first rant. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. It's a little bit long. Okay, here we go. This is the post. Maybe you read it in a newsletter. While the obvious goal, duh, is to show women how powerful they are and prevent birth trauma with the work we do, I wanted to share why we aren't really in control of who experiences trauma and who doesn't. I first want to say that trauma is only a buzzword now more than ever. That means a nervous system has been overtaxed, stressed. The experience, whatever it was, was too much, too soon, or both. The body creates trauma when it is unable to process a big or small event, depending on that person. This means that occasionally, and probably more than we know or think, birth trauma happens in places and settings and to women we would not expect. 
I thoroughly reject the, once again, dogmatic belief system of many that consider themselves free birthers to say there is no trauma in free birth because it's blank, enter the phrase, sovereign, autonomous, not forced, etc., is ridiculous and pandering once again to women that believe there is a savior in birth, even if it is indeed the free birth itself. There is no way to decide or predict who is traumatized by an event or a birth, and two women could literally experience the same birth, if that was possible, and have a totally different nervous system take on it. Trauma happens on the inside. It happens every day in birth and life. It happens in free births and can happen in the hospital and in births on the side of the road. It can be the result of what looks like a beautiful seamless home birth for reasons we will never understand because it's not us. These reasons can date back to experiences from years ago or childhood. Much of trauma is reliving the past. To add story, about 10 years ago, I served a mama who had had her first baby unexpectedly in the hospital and at about 32 weeks. Very traumatizing. She chose me as her midwife for the second babe. And imagine my surprise when after her 41 plus week beautiful labor, she pushed out her 10 pound baby in the birth pool and told me later how awful and traumatizing it was for her. I think I have more wisdom now and I can see how she felt that way and that her experience was valid. Hold on, there's more. I just have to find it. It was so long, it had to move to the comments here. And there were a lot of comments. We can share the goal of reducing and preventing birth trauma without assuming we know who is traumatized or not and why. You might be surprised. And if you are new to birth work or in an arrogant frame of mind, you might be humbled to realize that women have all sorts of beautiful, ugly, hard, easy, complex, and simple experiences in birth. And that saying free birth cannot be traumatizing is about as silly as saying hospital birth can never be powerful. I know firsthand that it can. I know for a fact that mamas who have free birthed, who have experienced trauma, whether obvious like death or subtle, are afraid to speak out lest they contaminate the cult-like mentality around this false belief system that teaches that certain birth choices don't result in trauma. Whew, that was a mouthful. Thanks for listening. Hmm, what do I even want to add to that? Well, kind of going back to the sort of beginning, trauma is definitely a buzzword and I have used it a ton here today. So I am not immune to that. Perhaps in my own trauma training, I will come up with another word that I like better because I don't love it. Um, I think it sounds very victim-y in a way, but I don't presently have another word I, I like better. So I'll stick with it for today, but expect to hear something else eventually. Um, I think the description makes more sense to me and maybe you which is it's not what actually happened. It might be, it might, that might be part of it, but it's like not the story. It is how our bodies respond to the story. And again, that's going to differ from person to person. That might differ in the same person from day to day or month to month. So my capacity for handling something stressful might not be great today. And maybe tomorrow, I'll have more capacity. 
Um, birth is an interesting example for all the reasons that we know. There are so many factors. Uh, so even something like being sleep deprived, right? There are women that have had four day labors, five day labors, six day labors. Uh, their nervous systems are totally, probably pretty stressed and all of the bodily responses that we know about even chemically, right? So adrenaline and cortisol and all of these things um, are, you know, in a wonky place when somebody has a 40 labor. So birth, and this is what I'll eventually, you know, feel like I can specialize in. I don't yet. I'm not putting myself out there as a trauma expert in any way yet. I think I'll get there, but I am not yet. Um, but I can see the relevance in such an exciting way that that's obviously why I'm deciding to go this route with my own education. Uh, because birth, to me, is one of the most important somatic experiences. So is pregnancy. So is the postpartum. I think these three initiations in a woman's life have been my life's work. So it makes sense for me. But yeah, from this trauma lens, um, too much too soon. Like, is there a better way to talk about birth a lot of the time? Because you have women that have, again, these four day labors. And then we have women on the other side of the coin who wake up, don't know they're in labor. And I think somebody submitted an application this week for our birth trauma circle. So I don't know who it was. Um, if it's you, thank you for sharing. But it was, you know, I had a one hour labor and my baby shot out and I was totally traumatized. And again, uh, it's easy to be like, oh, well, why? Why would someone be traumatized by that? It's not like anything sad happened. It's not like anything bad happened. But when we don't put our judgment on it and we stick with this definition, the experience was perhaps too much, too soon or both for this person's body. So again, trauma being a buzzword, but also if we found another word that felt better or stuck with the definition, we would realize that birth is inherently traumatic. And again, I don't love saying that, but birth is inherently stressful to our nervous systems most of the time for one reason or another. Again, whether it's physiological, whether it's emotional, um, you know, someone brought up in the comments this week, like sexual abuse right? There's a million ways that the experience of birth can cause distress to our nervous systems. That doesn't mean we're broken. That doesn't mean birth is medical. That doesn't mean birth doesn't happen easily for most of us, right? Birth was meant to happen. So can we hold that? Can we hold that birth is beautiful? It's natural. It's a rite of passage. It's a sacred initiation. Can we hold that with birth can be really stressful on our nervous systems. Um, postpartum can be really stressful on our nervous systems. And I think we're, we're more used to that idea with postpartum depression and that kind of thing. Okay, going on to critique my own thoughts here. Again, this dogmatic belief that free birth is not can't be, right? I think that's maybe more accurate. It's not that it isn't. It's free birth can't be traumatizing. And again, this is probably someone that may not even have had a baby. And no disrespect if that's you listening. But if you haven't had a baby, I don't know that you should go around talking about how birth feels in your body because you don't know, at least in this life. And so to say that free birth can't be traumatizing because you don't have a hand up your vagina 
is very immature. There are a million other ways that our nervous system can interpret birth to, again, be stressful. And it doesn't have to be so obvious, right? It doesn't have to be just, I was in a hospital and whatever, uh, the OB, you know, did a vaginal exam without consent. Okay, yes, we all know that could be traumatizing and probably is. However, maybe it's not for some women, right? There are plenty of women that that's probably not a big deal for, or at least they're not aware of it. Um, The doctor had to get the baby out with forceps or whatever it is, emergency C-section. The natural birth people are all like, oh yeah, that's traumatizing. Do we really know? It's possible, right? And it's more likely. I hear that. So I wasn't saying that it isn't more likely, But a story I love to tell, and many of you have heard it before, is my friend Christina. And again, I've talked about her numerous times. She's one of my most favorite people on this planet. Christina, if you're listening, I love you. Her birth story, The Indie Birth of Veda Rose, is a podcast. And long story short, Christina experienced a legit shoulder dystocia and a resuscitation of her beautiful daughter, Veda, about three years ago. I was the midwife there. I was her friend. And it was intense. Um, It's possible that I have trauma or had trauma from this experience. It was a lot. Um, But Christina, in her own way and in her own processing, at least got to a place, and I won't speak for her because I really don't know initially how she felt, but very soon after the birth, and I'm talking days after, she told me, I don't feel traumatized. I feel like it was perfect. I'm not holding on to anything. It didn't, it didn't feel like too much too soon. I've already moved through it. And again, I think there would be a lot of assumptions that people would make from the outside. And I know people did for her. They were like, oh God, how could you have another home birth after that? Right? That was so traumatizing. But it wasn't because trauma happens on the inside. And that was not her experience. So it is ridiculous to say or assume. And again, pander, I think it is pandering to women that actually do want a savior. And have you thought about this? Am I the only one? I doubt it. Um, That the savior itself can be the free birth. (laughs) Does that make sense? Right? It's like, well, I'm powerless. um, And I'm traumatized by my own admission. I don't want a close connection with people. And that's also part of the trauma thread, right? Is we feel disconnected. We feel disconnected from ourselves and from other people. So free birth really does play on trauma. And I said this years ago and got a lot of love mail and a lot of hate mail for it. But I'll say it again. Free birth plays on trauma for a lot of women, not all, because they need to be disconnected from other humans to feel safe because that has not been their experience. So again, that's not wrong. It's perfect for that nervous system. But it also is pandering to women that are traumatized. So it's sort of this hamster wheel effect for a lot of women out there. Um, let's, Let's basically sell women something that plays on their trauma. And we'll tell them that if they're just alone, they won't feel the way they did last time, right? They won't feel the way they did the last four times. Just do it yourself and you will be trauma-free. So, you know, if women buy that, that's up to them. Everybody is free to choose. But I think there are women buying that because they really do want a savior. They really do want a solution. 
And free birth is that savior for a lot of women. So it is trauma based. Again, I will say it, not everyone. Um, the, the free birth people love to um, bend my words. It is not everybody. I know many women who have had beautiful free births, myself included. And so it's not everyone, but it is a high percentage of women that we hear from that don't really um, feel like they have other options because of the trauma they've experienced. So again, long range goal for me is to work with that more directly. I'm not able to do that at this time because I don't have the training, but I will. And that will be a way that I will go because I think working with women before they make any choice at all uh, would feel really awesome and would have them feeling hopefully uh, grounded, empowered, safe in their own bodies to then make the right choice from them. If we're not making a choice from, you know, a somewhat regulated nervous system that I know we are making choices in fear. And that's probably another podcast for another day. The story I shared is true. I realized that it was a lot more than 10 years ago, though. I don't know what I was thinking there. It was probably 15 years ago. This mama, as I shared, had had an unexpected hospital birth. She had been planning a home birth with another midwife for her first baby. And unbeknownst to the woman, she, I, I think, and this is speculation, I think had been experiencing bacterial vaginosis, right? So pretty common vaginal infection or imbalance. Imbalance is a better word. And this set her body into preterm labor at 32 weeks. And her waters opened and her midwife said, can't help you go to the hospital because she was licensed, which I agree with. I don't, I don't think I would attend a 32 week baby at home ever. So the woman did and obviously had her baby there and the baby was in the NICU and blah, blah, blah. So she said it was very traumatizing. That was really hard for her, obviously, and her baby. And then she chose me as her midwife for the second babe. And we got ahead of this bacterial vaginosis situation. She didn't have that same experience of constant contractions all the time. And she made it to 41 weeks. So that was amazing. She had a really large baby that she pushed out what looked like so easily and caught him herself in the birth pool. And so as I shared, imagine my surprise when in her postpartum, she shared that it was really fucking awful for her. And as a new midwife, And as a younger woman, uh, I took it personally. I did, at least a little bit. I remember thinking, what is wrong with this woman? Like, how could she, how could she be upset with this birth? And now I know more. It's not that she was upset with me. It was that her body was holding this energy that was too much too soon. And she didn't know how to deal with it. And I didn't know how to deal with it. So I wasn't very helpful. And I remember her saying something like, I remember the head being out for a while, which to me is pretty normal. Her baby looked fine. And I think she wanted me to like get the baby out for her. And I didn't do that then. I don't do that now. But in my earlier days, I probably attracted more women that 
wanted that I was licensed and I didn't know myself as well. So that was her complaint to me. Like she really wanted me to have helped her more. And she basically felt traumatized and alone. She felt like I did not do the midwife job during her labor. And, you know, that's valid. Uh, We obviously weren't in great communication, perhaps about what that looked like. Or in that moment, she needed that. And she wasn't able to voice that. And I didn't pick up on it, right? So all to say that it's not my fault. And it's not her fault. But her birth experience did not feel great in her body, even though from the outside, she got this picture perfect birth that she had wanted. And, um, you know, based on the comments on this post, there's a lot of that, you know, like, I'm gonna read some actually, and I don't know, I don't know these people. So I'll just leave it anonymous. But someone said, my accidentally unassisted birth was absolutely traumatic. I also love it. And the feelings of vulnerability afterward were so intense and lasted so long that I had postpartum depression. Thank you for sharing this and creating this conversation. So that's a great story, right? Like we can still love our births. Um, We can still be floored by our ability as women at the same time that our bodies are like, holy shit, what just happened? Let's see. Uh, I'll keep this one a little bit briefer. I'll edit it. Uh, Someone said, before my free birth, I watched this beautiful free birth. On the outside, it looked calm, peaceful, everything I'd want. And when her baby was born, it was as calm as it could get. But I could see on the mom's face that something wasn't right. She wasn't connecting with her baby like I'd seen many other moms do in birth. By chance, I connected with her a year or so later, and she explained that she was freaking out inside and was traumatized by that birth. Um, So women feel shame for their experience and don't want to ruin it for other women. I think there's really something to that. Yeah, and more comments. You can go read them if you're on Instagram. Um, Someone says, I also want to add I had two home births. My first wasn't quite traumatic, but was close to it. And it was no one's fault. My midwives are amazing. It was just so overwhelming, so long and so painful. I found it hard to even think about for a long time. I was surprised I felt that way and denied or ignored it because I felt like I had no reason to feel that way. My second was an amazing experience and helped heal a lot of those things. So there are more stories on this thread. There's also quite a few moms that have experienced a death or stillbirth or some kind of loss. Um, Maybe in free birth, maybe not kind of, uh, I don't know for sure because I'm not not finding those at the moment. Um, But you know, that's a whole other conversation, and perhaps a more detailed and intentional one. Because that's a whole different barrel of monkeys, right? That's a whole different thing in a way to have that kind of trauma, uh, I would imagine, right? I'm, I'm not going to assume, but I definitely feel like there's a difference there between, you know, a birth that had big feelings And a birth where the baby actually doesn't come out alive or, you know, isn't able to survive. That's, that's huge. And I was speaking to those women as well. And specifically, those women in particular, uh, we hear a lot from over the years. I don't know why, maybe we feel like a safe space, or maybe they just need someone to share it with. And I'm always so glad when people do, whether it's privately in an email, uh, a message, or sometimes people share on our Indie Birth platform. 
um, that, you know, they've had a baby die in their free birth. And again, it's not to demonize free birth, you know, unfortunately, babies do die, and they do die in all settings. Uh, The focus here is that some slash many of these women don't feel comfortable speaking out, because they feel they are to blame, right? They were supposed to take full responsibility for this birth. Um, They also maybe were, you know, exposed to these dogmatic beliefs, which we can't really blame because every woman has to make her own choice. But you know, it's out there. Uh, The exposure is ready, readily available that free birth is the best and only way. And that nothing bad can happen because those women are censored. So these women aren't really speaking out to say, you know what, Um, your birth might be fine. But you know, here's what happened for me. So that's a lot. Uh, Let's see if I have anything more to say. Yeah, I guess it's just more of the same that we can't really assume what anyone has experienced, we need to ask them. And if we're really doing what I think, uh, I'll speak for myself, if I'm really doing what I'm supposed to do in the world, it is to confidently and in a balanced way, even uh, a neutral way, hold space for all of the stories and focus more on what's going on inside people. That's always been my interest, which again, into the somatic training. Um, But the stories themselves, while very important, sometimes override the complex emotions, if that makes sense. So to that end, I am going to offer I am offering whether it be December here or January of the new year, I haven't quite decided, I am going to offer a free birth trauma circle for any woman out there that wants to fill out an application and perhaps join us. I don't know yet how this is going to go. I'll be totally honest. It's just an offering I felt come from my heart. Um, You know, I don't have any other motivation for doing this. I love holding space for women. I've really enjoyed my magical mama circle. I think that I'm good at it. And I see that there is no one else that I really know about offering this space, offering a space for women to just be seen and to be held. And if nothing else, come together and allow me to probably practice some of my somatic experiencing training in that space. That's my plan. So if you are interested in that, or you know someone that would be, and we've gotten so many applications, oh my gosh, it's um, beautiful. And also there, there is this element of sadness that I feel around it, because it's like all the stories that no one knows about is, is what I'm reading in these applications. So I'll link to the application on this podcast note. And if you would like to apply, then go for it. This is not for other birth workers to come and watch or observe. That isn't my intention. The intention is for women, for mothers, for mothers that have lost a baby, for anybody that feels like they are holding on to trauma from their birth, again, to fill out this application and see where this goes for us. My initial thought was just to have this one circle. And then as these applications have just been like literally rolling in, it's occurred to me that maybe I will feel led to do a monthly 
trauma circle. I don't know yet. I'm not going to overcommit, but I will do one in December or January. We will see how it feels, how it goes. Um, ultimately, I do think a longer range plan would be more effective. I think coming to one circle eh, might be nice, but for real change to happen, it probably is going to take some time. So, you know, I guess it depends what people's intentions are and what my intention is. But I do want to offer that. It feels like something I'm ready to do. And like I shared, I will be gaining more skills. Um, it's not a therapy circle. You know, I am not a trained counselor or psychologist or therapist or anything like that. So uh, it's definitely not a place to come if someone is really super, super raw in their feelings, right? It might end up being more triggering. It might end up being more traumatizing. So I'm aware of that and people should do what's comfortable for them. Another element that I haven't shared because I'm thinking about this now is that I'm not sure that it's going to be a storytelling circle. Um, Again, for similar reasons, it's not that story isn't important. Uh, It's that story can also be re-traumatizing for the person telling it. So I want to make sure that I have the tools for that. As time goes on, I likely will. But I think initially, we're going to find other ways to just feel inside of ourselves. So it won't really be about anybody else, uh, is my hope. It will be for women that are wanting to, again, be surrounded by other women that understand. But like everything I do, I feel like it's a journey we're on internally. It's really this inside path. It's not really about fixing things on the outside because those are just symptoms. We really all have what we need on the inside. So once again, if you're curious or want to apply for that, then I'll set the link and you may pass it around to as many people as you would like. Uh, The application is because I want legitimate people to show up and I want it to feel as safe as possible, although that's not really up to me. Uh, I'm not in charge of how safe anyone feels or not. But I think asking for a bit of information feels right for such a sensitive topic. All right, friends, I think that's it for me today. Thanks once again for listening. And I hope to see you at one of our full moon zooms, or perhaps on Oahu here in February. And I'll keep you all posted about the summer events and all of the new up and coming things. Lots of love.